Today's episode is sponsored by Kai Scissors. Kai Scissors are the premier sewing, quilting, tailoring, and craft scissors available today. Made of hardened stainless steel, they are smooth, light, and offer fatigue-free cutting for all of your cutting needs. Kai Manufacturing has been making quality cutting blades for over 100 years. So remember, all orders on kaiscissors.com, that's K-A-I scissors.com, have free shipping inside the United States. Visit them at kaiscissors.com today. Thank you so much, Kai Scissors. And now, here's the show. Welcome to episode 148 of the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today, we're talking about building a new sewing blog and business with my guest, Sarah Kirsten Anderson. Sarah is a sewing educator, sewing pattern designer, photographer, and a believer in the magic of making your own clothes. She's passionate about making sewing and simple pattern drafting accessible to beginners because she believes sewing is one of the most powerful ways to love your body, show your beauty, and express who you are. Sarah, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm so happy to have you on the show. I have been watching your blog, I think maybe from the start, and it's really made like a splash and an impression on me and for a lot of different reasons. And I, um, and I feel like you came out of the gate really strong and I love that. And I want to talk about how you've done it um, and the incredible progress that you've made just um, in such a short time. So I think maybe we'll talk first about your tagline, um, which is for creatives who enjoy the process of making. And I like that a lot. I wondered if you could expound upon that a little bit and just sort of say what you mean by that. Yeah. um, So I think for many of us who are kind of born with um, like the desire to just take materials and put them together in different ways, um, it's not just about the end result of something, although that's a beautiful thing too, but it's more about like how it feels to put things together, whether that's like sewing or painting or woodworking or like whatever the medium um, it's just something really like that like feeds your soul about the process of putting things together. And like as an as a creative, um, that's like a really important thing for for me to feel. Right. Exactly. I agree with you a hundred percent. It's like getting lost in those hours when you're sort of problem solving and, you know, pinning and cutting and thinking and the the doing of it. And Mm -hmm. that is equally as important, if not more so, than the finished product. Yes. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know? And it's like that's the part of it that's addictive is like those sort of that flow, you know, that flow state um, that we all love, you know, and want to get back into and seek so mm-hmm. much, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I really love that tagline the, for, for creatives who enjoy the process of making. I think that's such a good mission. Um, so when did you begin blogging? Your blog is called Your First Name and Your Middle Name Put Together, Sarah Kirsten. And so when did you begin that blog? Uh, well, I don't remember when my first post was, but um, I wanted to start selling sewing patterns and I put a few out there and then I just realized like, oh, well, a really good way to like expand my reach is to start putting blog posts out there because social media posts have like a very short sh- shelf life. Um, but blog posts, like they stick around on Pinterest and on the internet for a long time. So I think that was a, a motivating factor for me. Um, so I think the first one was maybe like a year ago. I think, I, yeah, I think it was about a year ago. Okay. So social media actually sort of came first or the desire to create sewing patterns came before the blog. And it sounds like you were posting on social media first before the blog. Yes. Yeah, I was. Okay, that's interesting. And I think maybe today, that's kind of how things happen. I started blogging in 2005. So that was the days before social media. So that wasn't an option for for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I couldn't have done it in that order. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) because that wasn't an option. But today, I can absolutely see how that order would would take place. Um, So you were posting, I'm guessing on Instagram first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a nice way to like, like gently get into it, you know, because it's like, um, you know, not a ton of people see your social media posts and, you know, it's kind of low pressure. Right, exactly. It's like you don't have a following. So if you mess up or you post something stupid or the picture is kind of blurry, <laughs> it's like, who cares, right? Because it's exactly. like nobody's really looking all that hard. Right. Yeah. Only my mom is like looking at every post. <laughs> right. Okay. And I went back, um, right. So I was preparing for this interview. I went back to the beginning of your Instagram feed. Sorry. And um, looked at the very <laughs> beginning. And I love to do that with people to go back to the beginning because your feed now is so beautiful. We'll talk about your Instagram strategy in a little while. Um, but it has really changed. And of course, right, because in the beginning, it wasn't a business. It was just a hobby. You were doing this for fun. And um, so and and so like back then you were just what making things and posting a picture of what you made and sort of is, was that kind of it yeah actually i mean i started it with the idea of a business like from oh, the very did. beginning yeah um but i i didn't really put that out there i guess so it was in my mind but it wasn't um i was being i guess kind of shy about <laughs> um yeah, about putting like the business side of it out there for me. Okay. So, so I think I just did a bunch of self-drafting and took pictures and put them up. Okay, I see. So you did always know it was going to be a business from the beginning of the posting. Interesting. Yes. All right. And yeah. and how long were you posting on Instagram before the blog began? Uh, maybe it was a while, maybe like a year. Okay. And then the first blog post, was that the one about using Instagram hashtags? Um, you know, I don't even remember. It oh, might that was be... an early one for sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think the first one is about um, making 
paper with fabric oh, scraps. right. Yes. I think that's right. Exactly. And then there was the Instagram one. And I think the first one I saw maybe was the Instagram hashtags one. Okay. okay yeah. Because yeah. that one was really brilliant. It was like, hey, here's a bunch of hashtags you can use if you're trying to get noticed as somebody who sews on Instagram. Yeah, I I felt like I was just wasting so much time. Um, and, you know, you're supposed to, like, use different hashtags for every post and all these, like, silly rules. Um, and finally, I was like, I'm just going to put together a huge list. And I bet this would be, like, really useful for other people, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. And was this the first blog that you had? Because you kind of like did it really well. I felt like, oh, like really? yeah, I mean, so was this your first foray into blogging? I mean, I feel like this seemed like somebody who had had a blog before messed up and like knew like what to do the, the second time around or something. Oh, wow. Uh, well, thank you for saying that. Um, that makes me feel better. Um, <laughs> no, this is my, I have, I'm actually a pretty like shy person. Um, so yeah, no, this is my first time like kind of putting myself out there. Okay. Wow. That's really amazing. So, I mean, um, your, so your blog is very striking to me in that it's like so pared down, you know, like there's like very little distraction. It's very white space. Um, and you have like this newsletter strategy in place, like right from the beginning where you have this like free pattern that you can get if you sign up for your newsletter and you I don't know, you use the newsletter really well. Um, and so I, I wondered, yeah, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your blog's design and also about your newsletter strategy. Okay. Um, well, first of all, I think I learned a lot from my brothers. Um, so I have five older brothers and one older sister. And when you're the, when you're the youngest of a big family, I think you kind of, um, you get to learn a lot <laughs> without experiencing it yourself. And so my older brothers are good at marketing. They have their own businesses and they really encouraged me to start collecting people's email addresses in exchange for something, something free. Um, and actually my brother, like a few years ago, convinced me to finally like put out a free pattern that I had put together just for myself. Um, so he like created a website and put it up and then it got like 12,000 downloads um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, like this, um, you know, this, like people like this stuff. So that kind of showed me the power of collecting email addresses, um, and giving something free away. So yeah, from the beginning, I wanted to like implement that into my business strategy. Yeah. Wow. How did it get 12,000 downloads just through Pinterest or? Yeah, Pinterest. And I think it got posted on some big blogs, actually, like the Levi website, like the Levi jeans, you know, um, they posted it. And um, yeah, I don't even know who else, but some bigger blogs. Okay. So and we, st I mean, every day still, I get signups for that. What pattern was that? It was a free slipper pattern where I like cut up my old jeans and like put on a leather bottom. Oh, I um, see. And like, yeah, put this little like pattern together. And is that on your website still or no? Uh, no, I don't have it on my website. It's on my brother's website. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. So he kind of like proof case, like it was like a proof test for you to see like, okay, this does actually work. Yeah. And he, he seriously like had to convince me, like he asked me for years and I said no. And one day, I don't know what changed, but I let him do it. And then I was like, wow. <laughs> 
Wow. I did. I had no idea. And what kind of business does he have? Uh, well, right now he sells real estate and um, is a rental property owner. Okay. So this was just but a stand- for- was that a standalone website or was this like another business he had? Yeah. Well, for a long time, he's an artist. So for a long time, he did some big art productions. Um, and that was kind of a spinoff, the, his artwork. I see. Okay, cool. All right. So you were convinced of that. And so then you, when you set up your own website and start, decided to actually become a sewing pattern designer, you knew that this was going to be part. That makes sense. You knew that this was going to be part of your strategy from the beginning. So even yes. though you had, I was wrong that you had been a blogger before, but I was right in that you yes, had some yes. experience. <laughs> I wasn't totally off base. Okay. (laughs) And then what about sort of just the overall, um, I don't know if I would call it, it's like very sparse. It's very clean. Um, Are you just drawn to that kind of design on the web or how did you sort of come to that? I mean, a lot of blogs have a lot of clutter is what I would say, like a lot of sidebars, a lot of like extra links and like you have like the bare minimum. So the viewer or the reader only has very few things to look at and very few things to click on and to the point that like it's striking how few. Um, So I just wondered if you could talk about that. Yeah, I think it's many things. Um, For one thing, I'm just drawn to minimalism and partly because I think it's hard for me to focus on a lot of things. So um, if something is really simple, then then I can focus on it. Uh, and if I go to websites where the content is really good, but I'm just being like pulled in all these different directions, it's really a turnoff for me. And I tend not to spend like a lot of time on those websites. Um, and I just think it's powerful. Like if you're trying to convey a message, just focus on that message. Mm-hmm. So I... I wanted that for for the, the the messages that I want to put out. Yeah, I think it is powerful. It's hard, right? It's really hard to be to choose, you know, because you're always leaving something out. Um, I don't know. For me, I think I'm like I'm. I think I'm pretty shy. So for me, maybe it's like maybe it's also like a mask I hide behind because I don't. Maybe it's hard for me to put things out there. I don't know. Okay, maybe right. It's so it's actually like maybe a truer expression of yourself. Yeah, I would say so. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. All right, so um, people can go and check out um, Sarah Kirsten and see what I'm talking about. If you haven't been to this blog before, you'll you'll see what I'm saying. Um, and all right, so let's go back a little bit and just talk about your upbringing. Um, so... Where did you grow up? Um, I know. Do you live in Iowa now? Yes. I okay. Do. I did live you in Muscatine, Iowa? Okay. And did you grow up in Iowa? I did. Yeah. All right. So and, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your childhood and um and you know what your your house was like. Okay. Um. So my parents uh, have seven children. I'm the youngest. And uh, my dad is from Oregon and my mom is from Minnesota and they moved here like 40 years ago. So it's kind of interesting because it's a small town and most people have been here like for generations, but we're kind of like the new kids on the block. (laughs) Um, And they homeschooled us all. And we moved to a farm uh, like 25 years ago. Um, outside Muscatine, Iowa, and 
so I raise sheep in addition to sewing. And we have a beautiful pasture with a pond. And I just love um, just like checking the fields at night and connecting with nature and looking at the soil and the trees and the water. It's like uh, I kind of live, I feel like I live in a fairy tale sometimes. Although sometimes it's like really stressful, like the farm farm stuff gets stressful sometimes. But most of the time I just feel like, wow, I live in a total fairy tale. Yeah, it sounds like it. And what did your parents do for work? They farmed and was that what they did for work or did they have other jobs? Yeah, my dad is a full-time pastor of a small church and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And she also, um, like once we kind of all grew up, uh, she started her own business. She's like a, a natural pearl expert. Um, so that's that's her career now. Wow, how neat. Okay, and so and she taught you how to sew. Yes, she did. All right. She grew up sewing like all of her own clothes, not because she needed to, but because she just loved sewing. And I actually feel really blessed with like a rich sewing heritage. Both of my grandmothers sewed a lot and my mom sews a lot and my aunts and um, my sister sews. So I feel, I feel really blessed with that. And it sounds like you, I mean, being homeschooled and living in this farm, it sounds like it was probably a pretty creatively rich growing up. Oh, it was, it was amazing. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, like after we finished our schoolwork, we could just go explore and, and create. And it was, I'm really thankful for that experience. And so um, when you went to college, you did you study agronomy? Am I saying that right? Yes. Yes, agronomy. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and is that because you wanted to be a farmer? Yeah, I did. Yeah, well, growing up on a farm, I just feel like it really, like, gets in your blood. Like, I just, I just love, like, nature and the soil. And I, it was kind of a dream to be, like, a homesteader. So I studied agronomy, which is the study of, like, crops and soils um, and the interaction between them. And then I went to graduate school for soil science. And I didn't even know you could study soils, like, growing up. I didn't know that was, like, a whole field of study. But I was in some soil science classes and, like, fell utterly in love. And I was just, like, so fascinated Um and I realized it was like something you could exclusively study. So, so I went to graduate school for soil science and it was, uh, yeah, it was really a neat experience. Yeah. You're the only person I've ever met who went to graduate school for soil science. That's very, that's very <laughs> cool. So did you then come out from that experience and become a farmer? Did you get a job? Did you buy land? Like what happened next? Well, during grad school, um, I just, I was working as a research assistant at the Iowa State University and it was kind of a corporate environment. And I just realized, um, as much as I love soil, like I really, I could not thrive in that environment and I needed, it became very clear to me that I needed my own business in order to be fulfilled and to thrive in life. So I moved home to my parents' house on the farm and 
I took over like the management of the farm and the sheep here. And then I started my own business. I see. Okay. So you're living in your parents' house now. Yes. Yes. Okay. And are they still living there? Yes. Yeah. We have a great relationship. I'm really, um, I'm, I feel really thankful for this season where I get to be with them here. Okay. Got it. Um, Great. And, um, and so you're living there and you have your own business. And so that, and cause you're young, you're, are you 27? Yeah. I am. I'm like, did I do my math correctly? Okay. So you're, <laughs> yeah, right. All right. So you're young and you live on the farm and you have your own business. Um, that's fantastic. And so, and so this is like your, your next step basically right out of graduate school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So super cool. Um, and then was, what was the first sewing pattern that you, um, came out with? It sounds like, um, you know, you started on Instagram, you knew, I mean, I I guess maybe let's go back up. I stopped prior even to that. You knew you wanted to start your own business. How did you arrive at sewing patterns? I mean, you had a strong background in sewing. Was there maybe other ideas you were batting around before you arrived at sewing patterns as being the business? I wanted to take a minute now to talk a little bit about our sponsor, Kai Scissors. I own a pair of Kai Scissors and they are the preferred blade in my sewing room. I absolutely love them. And um, so here are some things that you might not know about Kai Scissors. First of all, they are smooth, strong, and sharp to the tip. And that is definitely true. The 5000 series are hardened stainless steel and the metal allows them to be strong and hold their edge and then take a new edge when the time comes. All Kai scissors can be sharpened by any local reputable sharpener. I actually haven't even taken mine to be sharpened yet because they are still sharp after over a year of using them. The 7000 series are made of high carbon hardened stainless steel, and the carbon part is key. These are Kai's flagship scissors. The carbon allows the scissors to be harder, stronger, and sharper. And sharper means that they can put a steeper angled edge on the cutting blades. Steeper equals sharper. Steeper also means a thinner edge. If you put a sharper, thinner edge on any scissors, the edge is brittle and wears out really quickly. Having the carbon, though, keeps that from happening. What does sharper mean to you, the sewer? Sharper means it's easier to cut things out. We hear cuts like butter all the time. This is coming from Jeff over at Kai Scissors. He says that um, when something is easier to cut, then you have a lot less fatigue on your hands and on your arms. And this really helps people who are cutting several layers of fabric or who are cutting thicker fabrics, which I do all the time because I cut um, fleece and felt for making dolls and toys. Kai is a global manufacturer. They are based in Japan and they make over 10,000 different products. All of them are scissors and knives and shears and various kinds of products that cut things. Head over to 
um, kaiscissors.com where you can check out their full range of products and also get free shipping on everything within the United States. So that's kaiscissors.com. Go check them out. Thank you so much, Kai Scissors. And now back to my conversation with Sarah. So after grad school, um, I took the summer off and I went on this massive bike trip by myself. I rode my bike from Iowa down to New Orleans and then across Texas. Wow, that's a long trip. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so after that, I just came home and over the weekend, I was like, what do I do with my life now? And I was sitting in the barn and I just thought, it just feels really right to start a sewing pattern business. And I knew that I loved, I mean, I've been like making my own clothes for a long time or modifying my own clothes or whatever. Um, So it just felt really right. And I just decided I'm going to go for that. And so did you, I mean, you know, starting a sewing pattern business theoretically sounds doable, um, but actually, you know, right, you have to learn how to use some software. Um, there's technical writing involved. There's um, there, there's actually quite a few steps, <laughs> um, photography, uh, you know, there's marketing, there's a, there's a lot involved to get it done. Um did, was, was any of that a challenge? Did you already know how to use, I don't know if you use Illustrator to lay out your patterns. Did you know how to grade a pattern? I mean, it's one thing to sort of modify your own clothes, right? And it's a different thing to create a commercially viable product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had no idea what I was getting into. Okay. <laughs> Many of us don't. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but it's actually just been a joy. Like, I love just the many aspects. I mean, sometimes it's really overwhelming. You have to do web design and photography and all the things you mentioned, and that gets really overwhelming. But it's actually just been a joy because I get to learn to do so many things, and it makes me really slow. I feel like I hope now that I kind of get a handle on all this, I can like start to speed up. But um, yeah, kind of up to this point, like every new thing I do is just like, wow, I have to learn a whole new field. <laughs> of how to do this. Right. So it's basically you're like putting yourself through school by yourself. But because you're curious and dedicated, you've like got the skills you need to learn and you're just learning as you do it. Yes. And has there been a mentor who's helped you? Have you established relationships with some people that I'm assuming you probably met online because likely in the town you live in in Iowa, there's not necessarily, (laughs) you know, Mrs. Sewing Pattern Designer living next door who's helping you, my guess. But um, have there been people that you've, you know, met online who you've reached out to who have helped you? Um, A little bit here and there, but I actually feel like that's kind of a a missing thing. Like I've, I've been seeking someone who can, um, who either I can like hire or who would just be like a a mentor figure for me. Um, I think that would be really helpful. And that's something that I've kind of been missing. Okay. But so really you've been doing this head down kind of on your own. Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, at different stages, like my brother helps me with photography and my, other brother helps me with marketing. And, you know, I, I feel like I've had a lot of good input. My mom, when I have questions about sewing, she's, you know, good to help me about that right. stuff. 
Right. Okay. Right. Okay. For sure. Um, all right. So now I'm going back to my other question, which was, what was the first pattern that you put together? Oh, yeah. You know, I don't even remember. Isn't that silly? Um, it might have been the fanny pack. I'm not sure. Okay. And I feel like white, um, a lot of them may, correct me if I'm wrong, but they, a lot of the fabrics and like the, the look, um, at least in the beginning, I feel like you've sort of gotten more colorful as time has gone by. Um, but a lot of the, the initial ones, like were all white. Um, am I right about that? Yeah, that was, that was definitely a season. Yeah. A season. <laughs> the white season. Um, so, so what was behind that choice? Is that, to me, white seems like um, it allows kind of the lines, you know, to be the star or something like that, you know, like the shapes versus getting distracted by prints or color um, or how those, you know, different colors go together or that kind of thing. Um, but maybe that isn't the reason for you. I don't know. I just, I guess I just feel like as a creative, it's, um, it's important to kind of like go where your heart takes you. And, um, for some reason during that season, I was just really taken with the the elegance of the color white. And so I basically like that whole summer or year, I just sewed only white things. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Cause there's these beautiful pictures of you wearing like um, you know, different tops and dresses and things and, and there's patterns for them and even maybe the fanny pack. Um, but they're all white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And it's interesting. Um, uh, so, okay. And, and Instagram, I think maybe started to play a bigger and bigger role and you really changed the way your Instagram photos looked. And I'm wondering like, what did you get some feedback or did you tweak things and then it went better or sort of talk about how your Instagram evolved? Yeah. Um, Instagram was a big struggle for me at the beginning. I, I knew what I wanted it to look like, but I didn't, um, know how to get it there, I guess. And so I just really took a deep dive into photography. I was watching like you know, like 12 hours of like YouTube videos on how to photograph and how to edit. (laughs) Um, I just spent like a lot of time really digging into that. And I think basically I just, I figured out how to take the photos that I wanted to take. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you have some tips and things that worked? Um, well, learning how to use a DSLR camera was a big one, like um, how to get the field of focus right and how to use Lightroom to edit. Lightroom, by the way, is a free app for your phone and it's just like an amazing editing tool better than like any other ones. Um, So that was a a big help. Okay. And so you're taking photos with your DSLR camera and then editing them and then uploading them to your phone and then posting them on Instagram. Yeah, it's kind of a long process. It is. And I think people sometimes don't realize that that's sort of a good way to go. You know, like Instagram is, a, you know, a mobile app. Um, but often the people who are doing it best are taking pictures with quote unquote real camera. And then, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And even though it it is a, a multi-step process when you do it that way, 
um, you can often achieve more consistent results where the look between all the photos is more similar and, um, Mm -hmm. and you can batch it. So you can do a whole lot at once and then edit them Mm -hmm. all at once and then sort of spread them out, you know, don't post them all at once. (laughs) Spread them out Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm hmm. Okay. Um, great. So I mean, I think that that's helpful and, and, you know, you, you do it really well. Um, so, and (laughs) you're welcome. Um, I also think that it's been interesting to watch you, um, release other things. So, um, you have made some other limited edition products in addition to the sewing patterns. And I'd love to talk about those, Um, so you did recently do these point turners, which are, Mm -hmm. if people aren't familiar with a point turner, basically it's a stick, um, that's pointy on one end (laughs) and, uh, rounded on the other and people who sew use it to, um, poke out the corners of things. You can also use it to make a crease if you need to, um, uh, mark a crease, but so it's a multi-use tool. Um, but you made them out of this really beautiful piece of wood and you did two batches, I think. Um, so talk about how you came to that as a product and then sort of the whole process of making them and releasing them and what that was like. Well, my brother, um, I'm always talking about my brothers. I have so many of them. Um, (laughs) my brother, John was home on vacation and he cut down a tree and brought me this log of wood and said, Sarah, I know you like to use the lathe. So I thought this would be a really good piece for you. And he put it in my bedroom and I haven't used the lathe in a long time. So it's kind of sat in my bedroom for many months. Um, And I was like, man, what should I make with this piece of wood? Uh, And finally it came to me, I wanted to make a point turner because I didn't have one and I, I like making things myself. So, um, I thought that'd be a good idea. Um, and then I realized like, well, if I'm going to make a point turner, I should just start with like a flat piece of wood. I don't need to start with this, you know, nice round piece. Um, <laughs> so I was digging around in my dad's scrap pile and I found this beautiful piece of black walnut. So I made a point turner for myself and for one of my friends for her birthday. And I just thought, wow, this was a really cool process and I think it turned out really well and I want to be more experimental with the products that I sell and I feel like starting a business is just it's kind of this big experiment you know you just kind of you just try things and see how it goes um so I just thought what if I make a limited batch and and just try it and they ended up selling I mean I sold out in like a few hours so How, how many did you make that for that batch so the first one I made, I think just 20. And then the second batch, I think I made like 50. Okay. And do you, how much did you price them at? So the first one I sold for 15. And then I was like, this is not quite enough <laughs> for all the work. Um, so the second batch I sold for 20. Okay. So you, right. And you sold them out really fast. And did you send them to your newsletter list first? I did. Yes. I yeah, since I have I have a pretty big um, newsletter list, so um, I try to focus on that when I have a new product. Okay, and so you, saw, you send it to them first, and did it did it make it to the Instagram group or no? 
Um, like, did you get a chance yeah, to post I mean, there before it sold? Before they were basically, gone? they yeah, the the newsletter people kind of snapped them up before <laughs> before I had too much chance to talk about them on Instagram. Yeah, right. And I think that that's really, I mean, powerful for people to hear because I think um, it just tells it speaks to the power of newsletters. Like, I that's what I. I found, and I just really think it's important for people to hear. <laughs> like, you're, so it's so powerful. Yeah. And and it's something you don't see. I mean, only the people who own the email list get to see that, you know, so it's it's not known unless you talk about it. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Right. Exactly right. Um, you just don't see it. But when you do own a list, and um, and the list is really healthy, in other words, meaning you're, you're emailing them. Um, something that they like and you're emailing them, you know, fairly frequently and keeping them going. Um, then when you do have something really cool to offer like this um, and you send it to them, you see how fast they sell and um, it's really like remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when people sign up for your mailing list, it's like they really want to be there. Um, it's not it's it's a little more powerful than like a social media follow. Mm-hmm. Totally. Absolutely. Okay. And then you did another really cool one. Um, then I'm sure there's another story behind. Oh, I know there's a story behind it because you told the story a little bit, but um, it sounds like, and maybe this is related to your mom now that you talked about your mom's profession after being a stay-at-home mom, which is also a profession, but um, but you had these buttons. They are vintage buttons and it sounds like they came from or were made in the town you live in, in Muscatine, Iowa. Um, but you had this batch of them, and you sold those as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Muscatine used to produce so many buttons that we were called the pearl button capital of the world. And we sourced – Muscatine used to – we used to do so many that we'd bring in buttons um, from, like, all the – or I don't know about all the rivers, but many of the surrounding rivers, like, even in – Tennessee and Indiana and so on. Um, and we had several button factories here and I'm not sure what year that, that kind of like fizzled out. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of glad it did because I don't think it's really good for like the health of the rivers, (laughs) but there are some, uh, some buttons that are still around and they've never been sold. You know, they're like, they're fresh from the factory, even though they're so old and my mom, being interested in pearls, uh, has connections with some of the people that still have these buttons. So she bought some of them, and then I bought them from her. And I just thought, what a special sewing treasure these are. And I want to I wanna provide them for people. Yeah, that's so cool. And it's got this local connection to you and to your business and your sort of the heritage of your business, you know, like where you are and where you're located. And um, it's just so neat. And so I guess my question is, as you go forward, you know, other things are going to occur to you, right? Like you're creative and you, um, you know, you're thinking about stuff and, you know, that block of wood, it'll be something else that will come come your way. <laughs> um, these buttons, it'll be something different, right, that comes to you. And I guess my question is, how will you decide what what is a yes 
And what is a, mm, no, I'm not going to make that into a product for, you know, for the Sarah Kirsten brand. You know what I mean? Because I'm guessing as you've, and maybe it's already happened and we just don't see it because you've already said no. But my guess is that as you gain popularity and get a little more established and, you know, two, three, four years from now, um, things are going to come past your plate, your desk, and you're going to have to say yes or no to them. And and what is your criteria as to whether it belongs or not? That's a really good question. I think um, right now, as I'm thinking of different products, and yeah, like once you kind of open up the door to physical products, that's like it, the options are like endless. Um, so I've already been sorting through options. And um, I think it just comes down to experimentation. And I feel like I've been afraid to just try something in the past. Um, and it's okay to just, just have an experiment, you know, like just do a limited run, see how it goes. It's okay. If it doesn't sell, it's okay. If it does sell. Um, and if a big thing for me is, do I enjoy packaging these things up? Cause it's a whole lot more work to make something and then package it than it is to put together something digital where people just download it. <laughs> um, so I guess it would be, do, does it sell? Do I enjoy the aspects of producing it and shipping it? And does it align well with um, my ethics and what I feel like I want the direction of my business to go? And what about print patterns in the future? Right now, am I right in saying that all the patterns are digital? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I would... I would actually love to start. That's one of my my next goals is to um, to get some print patterns out. And why is that? Why not stay all digital? What is it about print patterns that appeals to you? I think it's a good way to reach a broader audience um, with physical sewing shops, people who may not know about like a lot of indie designers, but they will go to their local sewing shop and look at patterns there. Mm-hmm. And have you met people locally who feel that way, who are a little mystified by not being able to hold your sewing patterns in their hands? Uh, not really. I mean, around here, it's a small town. Um, I actually don't really know that many people here who sew. So <laughs> I guess that really hasn't come up. Yeah. So would you say that your local audience is pretty minimal? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't even I spend like no time. Yeah. No, it's all it's all online. Yeah. To a, a broader scale. Right. And I think that that's an interesting thing. Like I, I as well have no local audience or very, very, I guess it's grown a little bit over the last few years. But for many years, I had zero local audience at all. And um, and I think it can be frustrating for people or sort of alienating in a way or and, and on the other hand, it can be a little bit freeing, like you know, locally, you are one person, and then all of your business lives online. And it really wouldn't be a business if it wasn't for the internet. Exactly. And I think of, um, you know, like, what does Jesus say, like, no town is a, a prophet, or no, nobody is a prophet in his own town. And I feel like, um, you know, these, these people know me. And it's, for me, it's very freeing to have an audience outside of my local community. Mm -hmm. 
It's interesting. Yeah, it's freeing, right? That's an interesting way to, to think about it. It's like you're one person here and another person there. Um, yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And so now your style, I feel like, has shifted a little bit. Um, white is a little bit on the out. Um <laughs> And now you've got um, a little more color coming in. And in fact, the most, is it the most recent pattern even has color in its name, which is the raspberry rucksack. Um, And I'd love for you to talk about the success of this pattern. I feel like it has been really successful. And so maybe you can talk about how you came to this design and um, and then talk about its um, its marketing strategy and and uh, what what it's looked like, what the success of it has looked like. Sure. Um, well, I really love the, I don't even know how to, how to say it, but the fall Raven Kenken backpacks. Yes. Um, I have a friend. <laughs> I know exactly um, how those backpacks look like, and I don't know how to say it either. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I'm sorry if I'm saying it wrong. Um, but they were really popular in Europe for a long time. And I feel like they've been kind of s- slower to come, at least to like the Midwest. Um, but I just love like the functionality of them. And of course, I wanted to sew one of my own <laughs> instead of buying one. And then I just thought, well, if I'm going to go to all the work of designing one for myself, I could make this a sewing pattern. Um, and I didn't know of any other pattern makers that had any, um, and there probably are. But um, I just thought, yeah, I think this is an opportunity. And my goal wasn't necessarily to like, you know, make a carbon copy. Like I'm not interested, like I love drafting. So I wanted to draft it myself. Um, but I did want it to have a similar look and functionality of that. And so I put it together. It was a very long process, much longer than I anticipated (laughs) as everything is. Um, and then I just started marketing it. And I feel like uh, for me, my marketing strategy is, um, it's just talking about things and telling stories. And I think a lot of people, I see a lot of people doing things like here's a sneak peek. Um, and, and they don't really talk about it till it's like already launched. And I feel like for me, I think there's a lot of energy that comes from being really open about something before it's launched and building anticipation And so I tried to do that. I put sew-alongs together before it was even launched. And I talked about it a lot in my newsletter. Um, And it got people excited about it. And then when I launched, it was, it did really well. Um, It was definitely my biggest, biggest selling pattern. And part of that is just because um, I'm like growing, growing anyway, you know, my business and following is growing. But it did really well. And... um, it's it's really exciting, I feel like, to kind of unlock some mysteries of marketing and to experiment with them on a bigger scale and to see their success. Yeah. So talk a little bit about some specifics here. So you said you put together some sew-alongs um, before the pattern launched. What what does that mean? So I, I put together the supply list of like, I wrote down everything you need to buy um, and explained like what kind of zippers and what lengths and the different kind of zippers. And if you can't find one, here's how to like kind of make your own, 
uh, zipper work and with like the supplies you have. Uh, and I put that out. And so a bunch of people bought supplies before I even, <laughs> I even had the, the pattern ready for launch. Did they know and, what it looked like? Did they know what the finished product looked like or were they buying it completely blind? No, I think I put some pictures together of the samples that I'd made. Okay. And they knew the name of it. Um, and they knew it was coming like in the next few weeks. Okay. All and right. then, so that was the first one. And then I did one, um, the, the pocket on the front of the bag is kind of a, it's like the most complicated thing. So I wanted to have like a lot of photos to walk people through that. Um, and it took me a long time to design that. So I was, I was happy to put like a really detailed tutorial of how to do it. And I put that together and I put it up and I think it just helped like people feel calm, like, okay, I can do this. And, um, it made them, you know, I think excited to, to try it themselves. Right. Okay. Um, that's pretty cool. And so, um, and then were, are there any other sort of specific marketing tips you can describe that you, you employed to make this happen successfully. Um, I just think it's it's helpful for people who are trying to launch something to hear what you did to help this pattern really, you know, have legs. Yeah, I think I think I would just say, and I I also want to be clear that I this is kind of just like a big experiment to me too, and I'm just learning and, and having I think like having a that, lot of fun with that. I think having that attitude too, by the way, is also really helpful. Just the attitude of playfulness and experimentation and willingness to try and not beat yourself up if it fails, you know, but just sort of seeing it as a creative act, the marketing process is like mm -hmm. even that in itself is a great attitude. But okay, so so go ahead. Yeah, I think it's easy to like, you could get really beat up about trying something and it and it doesn't work and that can be really discouraging but just having the attitude like well that did work I'll try something else that yeah that's good um so I think just being um I think being really open about what you're putting together and a lot of people tell me that they love the stories behind what I do and I always try to be really honest about what the story is and attach a story to something. And I feel like for me, I mean, I read a lot of marketing books and so on, and they, they all say a similar, similar thing that people, when they, when they buy something, they don't, they aren't necessarily buying the product that you're putting out. They're buying the emotion behind it. And so if I can do something that builds emotion with the products I put out and make it appealing, then that's what sells. Right, exactly. And so storytelling is incredibly important. And, um, and I think when you're, when you, when you see a pretty picture on Instagram, right, the first thing that's going to look, that's going to capture you is the visual, then you're going to go to the caption. And the, those first few words, if they begin with a story, like a hook and a story, you're going to keep going. And if mm -hmm. they begin with like marketing copy where it's like buy this pattern, blah, 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 you're done. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because every, I think every human being loves stories. I mean, that's what we love, right? Right. That's how we connect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Although I think there is something to be said for 
being bold in your marketing and like asking people to buy from you. I think that is a missing part of a lot of people's marketing. Yeah. So how do you, how do you do that? Well, a subtle way or maybe a bold way, I don't know, um, is just putting like a really big button on the bottom of my emails and just being very clear. Here is where you go to buy this, like buy it here. Right. It's like asking for the sale. Right. So in other words, don't be subtle when it comes to that part. Right. You can be subtle and like leading up to the story and connecting with people. And I think that's so important. But when it comes to if they want to buy it, um, like show them how to buy it. Right. And th- and there's not more than one thing to do. It's just this one thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Not a bunch of links to every other thing, just the link to where they can buy it. And I think a lot of that, by the way, comes from confidence. Um, you have to feel confident that the product on the other end of that buy button is good, is something that's going to um, please the cons- consumer and make them satisfied. Um, and mm-hmm. if you have that confidence, if you know that when they get it, they're going to like it, that it's going to work, that it's well tested and it's a good product, then you're going to feel like you can put a giant, you know, bold buy it now button right there. And that's the only option. Um, right. <laughs> because you're going to, you're right. I mean, if you feel kind of wishy-washy and like, oh, no, no, my product's kind of crappy. Like you're not going to really want it to be standing out and maybe you're going to bury it or put a whole bunch of other things that maybe they could do instead. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. So don't put it out there until you really feel like it's good. But at the same time, don't wait too long. Right. If you wait forever, right? Nothing's ever going to be perfect. So, Yeah. I just think I heard this quote the other day that I like wrote out and put on my wall. And it said, if you launch a product that you aren't slightly embarrassed about, you've waited too long. And I think it's so good to remember. I mean, obviously don't release like crap, but like don't wait until you can't make any other improvements because that day like may never come. It may never come. That's right. So, but you have to feel confident, but you can't wait for perfection is my point. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. There. Okay. Great. Um, all right. And um, do you feel like uh, sort of my last question before we get to your recommendations, do you feel like there was a point that was that you can identify or pinpoint that was kind of a turning point where you felt like, okay, this idea that I had that I was going to not be an agronomist, not be a soil expert, but actually, you know, be a sewing pattern designer that, you know, this idea I had in a barn after a bike ride was really going to happen. Was there a turning point, you know, something that happened, whether it was a mention somewhere or um, a surge in sales after a new product release or, you know, something that made you feel like, all right, it's working. Today's, you know, today's a day. I can see it you know, um, I think we're, I think I'm onto something. Yeah, that's a good question. I feel, I'm just thinking back. I feel like that moment keeps happening in bigger and bigger ways. Um, you know, it happened early on when this, this actually probably sounds really silly, but I got to three, 300 Instagram followers and I just thought, 
you know, I think, <laughs> I think I can keep growing and I think I can do this. And 300 now sounds like not very much at all, but it was, that was a big step for me. And, um, yeah, so that was one of those moments. And another moment is when an artist that I really uh, love and respect, her name is Slow Season on Instagram. Um, she reached out and asked about one of my patterns. And so I sewed one for her and gave it to her. And that was a, that was a big moment for me. Um, and then just like, they just keep getting bigger. Like I, I just bought a new car, um, because I have enough, I'm making enough to do that now. And I bought a new laptop because I was using one that was like nine years old and it barely ran. <laughs> um, you know, so I guess, I guess those moments keep coming. Yeah. That's wonderful. Congratulations on all of your success. And, you know, you're, you're clearly also putting in the hours and putting in the slow and steady hard work that it takes. Um, and we can all see that. And I think, um, I think you, you're headed for greatness. So I'm excited for your future. Like, I can't wait to see what this conversation will look like, you know, three years out, five years out from now, because there's so much there's so much cool stuff coming. So, um, so that's amazing. And it's just been fun to watch from the beginning. And, um, I also think there's so much confidence, um, to take away from this story for people who are brand new, because sometimes it can feel like, you know, it's so hard to break in now, you know, like everything's changed. And if you weren't already on the scene for years and years, like back when, you know, Colette was first starting, there's no way to break <laughs> in now, you know, and right. you've really proved that that's wrong and that it is possible to break in now and you can break in tomorrow and start and there is space for new voices. And I just think that's really heartening, um, to see. So, um, so that's a gift. So thank you for, for giving that to all of us. Um, and okay. I want to make sure we get to your recommendations. So you wanted to recommend the tiny art show, which is something I love as well. So tell us about oh, that. Yay. Yeah. Well, um, I think I just started following them recently on Instagram, but it's just so like, it's just so delightful to see like, people, you know, like laying down on the sidewalk to look at some miniature art with a microphone or a, a magnifying glass and just like delight in really simple, small things that that's like pure joy. Yeah. And this is, um, you can follow this account on Instagram, um, at the tiny art show. Um, and then you also wanted to, um, recommend and look, these are your sister, so your sister, you have a lot of very entrepreneurial siblings. Your sister has, um, a jewelry business. Um, how do mm -hmm. you pronounce the name of it? Eningri. Eningri. Um, and she, like you, has a very minimal line. Um, and one of her rings is called the strong ring. Yeah. Um, so she just released it and I, she asked me to be like a hand model for some of the photos. And I actually like, like the ring so much that I like when I'm going out somewhere, like I'll go ask her if I can borrow it for the evening. <laughs> um, and then, so I finally like ordered my own, um, cause I don't want to keep borrowing hers. 
And it just like, it just feels so good and weighty on your hand in like the best way. And it's, it's elegant, but makes a statement and it's not flashy, but it's minimal. It's just like the ideal ring. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and it would look beautiful with your clothes. So yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Right? I mean, I think the aesthetic is similar. Like, it carries over, um, which is interesting yeah. to see. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. And then you recommended this YouTube channel. I started watching these YouTube videos last night after you sent this over to me. And I mean, it is fascinating. So I don't know how you describe this. I watched the one... Um, Oh, gosh. So she like basically forages this woman. It's in China and she forages for different like roots and flowers and things. And she makes things, including food and um, all kinds of stuff. And it's uh, oh, my gosh, it's like mesmerizing. So I don't I don't know how you found her and what you know about her and why. Why it's a YouTube channel? Like I kept wondering who's who is filming. I I don't anyway. I don't tell us what you know. (laughs) Yeah, I just found my sister actually sent me a link to it uh, a few months ago, and they are they're just mesmerizing, and they're they're not like YouTube videos. They're more like like real movies, and there's like really little talking, and the cinematography is amazing. Um, And she just lives like in a fairy tale. Like I want to live in that world. Yeah. And she does amazing things with oh. all these like natural, natural tools. And yeah, I mean, she is just amazing. She truly is. I could watch them all day. Like, I know, I know. I have to be careful when I, <laughs> when I go check her channel. I keep thinking about it. Like I, I watched one that was maybe eight minutes um, last night and I just keep the visuals keep like coming back to me. Um, I, I'm gonna, I, I, we can't just do like do justice to it. I'm just going no, to link to it. Yes. Please go watch one. Um, and you'll see what we're talking about. It's just so beautiful. And she's so like industrious and creative. I, I it's amazing. So, um, I have subscribed now so that I can waste all my time, but thank you. <laughs> I don't watch TV, so it's like, you know, if I periodically watch a YouTube channel, it's like okay with me. But, you know, there's no Game of Thrones going on over here, so it's fine. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Walshy Naps podcast. I really, really enjoyed talking to you. Oh, this was just a delight. Thank you, Abby. And you've been listening to the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Visit my blog, walshynaps.com, where you can sign up for my email newsletter to get the best in sewing, blogging, and small business delivered right to your inbox each week. Today's episode was sponsored by Kai Scissors. Kai Scissors are the premier sewing, quilting, tailoring, and craft scissors available today. Made of hardened stainless steel, they are smooth, light, and offer fatigue-free cutting for all of your cutting needs. Kai Manufacturing has been making quality cutting blades for over 100 years. So remember, 
all orders on kiscissors.com have free shipping inside the United States. That's kaiscissors.com. Thank you so much, Kai Scissors. And if you enjoy the show, tell a friend about it. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.